it's time to talk about all things mental health. This is Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. As a seasoned licensed therapist, Cecile is the owner of Transcend Therapy and is here to inform, guide, and connect you on the big and small everyday happenings that affect our mental and emotional well-being. Cecile is passionate about making a lasting and positive impact on people, connecting them to their own wisdom and strength while having a little fun along the way. Get ready to challenge the power of your human spirit. It's time to get mental. And now here's your host, Cecile Ahrens. All the things they say should matter, corrupted by the senseless chatter. Cecile here with Get Mental. Welcome back. Today I am going to be talking about something really special and significant and dear to me personally, and that is my Filipino heritage and all the cultural issues and customs and traditions that accompany my culture. We're going to talk about the pros and cons, so to speak, and the beauty of the culture, as well as the inherent challenges that come with the culture. And to be honest, I really felt a lot of pressure in the way that I would do this talk, because I want to be able to represent the complexities of my culture in a way that really does justice for Filipino Americans in the United States. And I want to be able to do a great job in really honoring our beautiful traditions while at the same time also having an honest look, an honest conversation about the ways in which our culture can hurt us and sometimes even harm us. So, you know, hopefully at the end of this talk, you're going to find kind of a balanced view and take away the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, and everything in between, and find it informative and enriching. So that's um, that's my hope, and I hope that that will be your experience. So, you know, as some of you know, I'm Filipino-American, but technically, I'm Filipino-American-Australian. So I was born in the Philippines. I moved to Australia when I was 17. I became a citizen of Australia and I'm still a citizen of Australia. And then I moved to the States when I was 25. Um, and I'm also a citizen of the United States. So I find it an incredible privilege to be able to have lived in three different continents and experienced three vastly different cultures. Um, and, you know, just to be able to kind of have what I would call a really kind of open um, and broad uh, horizon because of the breadth of my lived experience, having been in three different countries and three different continents. I just, I just think that's also what helps me um, as a human being navigate life, life's, you know, adversities, but it also has been incredibly helpful for me as a therapist in helping others and having empathy and, um, you know, uh, understanding and insight towards others because I understand that the world is vast and that realities can really be different depending on the country and continent you're in and that a lot of our experiences can be relative 
to where we are. So I just wanted to share that in case some of you didn't know. So I'm coming from the angle of being Filipino born and having lived in two different uh, countries and kind of having to assimilate all of that. So I'm not saying I'm the expert. I'm not saying I'm, you know, the, the ultimate authority on this subject, but I can speak for it from it, from a knowledgeable place and from my lived experience. And hopefully I, I do that justice. So, you know how I'd like to start with stats, um, because I think it's interesting and I think it's also important to know the numbers. So I'm going to do, I'm going to cite a couple of significant statistics um, that I think would be helpful as well in understanding our culture. So first of all, did you know that Filipinos are the biggest Asian group in California? I actually didn't know that until I started doing research. I thought maybe Vietnamese, Chinese, but no, it's Filipinos. We are the biggest Asian Asian group in California, and the majority of Filipinos live in LA. Again, I thought it would be um, the Bay Area, right? San Jose. That's actually not the case. San Jose is actually lower um, on the list. LA is um, is on top of the list, and then I think San Diego's in the middle. San Diego is where I am from. Um, and where Transcend Therapy is at, in case you didn't know that. So that's one interesting statistic. The other statistic is that we are among the few who live, who don't live, sorry, in poverty. And the juxtaposition is most Filipinos do not live in poverty. There's only a very small percentage compared to all Asians and compared to all Americans, right? Domestically speaking, there's only a small percentage of Filipinos who would be in the poverty line. But what's interesting is that we are actually not um, as highly educated, believe it or not, compared to other Asian groups in California. So to me, what's interesting there is the fact that even though a lot of Filipinos are educated, you know, we come, uh, education is a big, you know, value in our, in our culture. And even though most of us have at least a college or a diploma, a high school diploma or an associate's or college degree, right? That within, you know, the larger population, we're still lower as far as college admissions compared to other Asian groups in California. That was another interesting statistic. And to me, the contrast, right? The fact that we are considered lower as as statistically in our admission rates to colleges and universities. The contrast for me is that that doesn't mean we are going to live in poverty. We're actually lower on the poverty rate compared to other Asian uh, populations, even though educationally we're lower on that. You guys follow me? So to me, that really speaks, that really speaks to the resilience, the tenacity, the work ethic of Filipino Americans, because that is one of the beautiful traits that I love about our culture is that we, we work hard. We are driven. We are ambitious for better and worse. We will do whatever it takes to make sure our families are safe, stable, 
economically speaking, to make sure they can attend amazing schools, you know, parents, Filipino born, Philippine born and uh, American born Filipino Americans are very, very focused and motivated to make sure that the family unit is financially stable. And that means they will work two jobs, three jobs, whatever they need to do, they'll hustle, right? There's just that kind of grit, you know, that I really um, celebrate about our culture. So that's one kind of um, one positive strength that I see in our culture. Also, you know, our culture is wild. It's beautiful, but it's wild, right? It's weird. It's, it's kind of crazy, you know, for lack of a better term, not in a pathological way, but I think you all know what I mean and that it's beautiful, but at the same time, it can also like drive you crazy because of all the double standards, the inconsistencies, the mixed messages, right? And so I'm going to attempt to unpack some of that the best that I can. And so I want to start with just some of our values that are really, again, beautiful and I think worth preserving. And then I'm going to talk about some of the things that I usually see in the therapy room and how our culture can really start to create dysfunction and, you know, perpetuate codependence and harm us in the long run if we're not aware enough and we're not doing the work and we're not getting support. So the work ethic is number one. Number two, amazing value is our Christian faith, our real, our spirituality, our religious customs. Okay. There's pros and cons to that, but for the most part, it really, in my experience, only, um, it supports us more than it harms us because it is the foundation in which we do things and the way we treat people and the way we, um, you know, show up at work and the way we show up in relationships and in the way we show up in the community. You know, there's, there's a strong undercurrent of being kind, doing good and um, striving towards unity and cohesion and harmony and, you know, being generous and charitable. So that's what I see as the great beauty of our spiritual beliefs and our spiritual traditions and our deeply rooted Christian values. The other value and uh, tradition that I think is also um, very beautiful and unique to us, not to all Asian cultures, but unique in that we really, really value family. We are one of those cultures that will do whatever we can to help family, even maybe to the point sometimes of codependence. And so I'm going to talk about the flip side of that later. But, you know, going back to the beauty of the culture, this, this, um, this bond, this commitment, loyalty to family and making sure we're taking care of one another. And that doesn't just mean immediate family, that extends to extended family. And even people who are not really family, but we feel are like family, like it could go on and on and on. And there's an unselfishness, you know, at times that is so admirable about our culture. And this kind of just this deep generosity, even when you don't have a lot to give, 
you know, we still find a way to give. We still kind of band together, right? And pool our resources to help someone. And it's just incredible. It is so touching to me to, to witness that in my own kind of family circle and, and to hear about those acts of kindness and generosity from people I support and just from the broader community. And we're really quiet about it. You know, there's a humility to it. It's just this kind of unwritten understanding that we have that this is what we do. And we take that very, very seriously. We take family very seriously, even to the point of aging and death. We're the kind of culture who will do our best to keep our parents at home, right? For better and worse, again, I'm going to talk about the flip side of that again later, but that's part of the deep love and regard we have for family, which in my opinion also is very much informed by those Christian beliefs and our faith and our spirituality. So that's really beautiful. The other thing that I think is really beautiful about the culture is just some of our traditions, the, the, the stuff that we celebrate, you know, even the way we celebrate the dead and the, the importance of coming together, the communal kind of nature of our culture, gathering around food, you know, having fun. I mean, to all my Filipino Americans listening or to all of those who have a lot of Filipino American friends, you might have noticed that we are really funny. We're a really funny, wacky, zany bunch. And we can find humor in the most depressing, absurd, tragic situation. And that is just something that always like, you know, gives me pause. And I'm in awe because it is really, I think, part of how we, part of our resilience. It's part of how we recover. It's how, it's part of how we bounce back. It's part of how we, you know, just keep, going and staying focused on our goals, even though there's all this kind of hardship happening. And for a lot of us, there's also not just hardship of, of our people in the United States. Many of us are also still supporting um, family members in the Philippines. And so we're still kind of addressing the hardships of our family members from afar, from another country, right? While addressing our own needs here. To me, that's another beautiful trait of our culture. It's that, you know, generosity again that I'm talking about. It's that, you know, familial values. It's that helping each other. It's bringing each other up as you start to, um, as you start to become successful and uh, as you start to have more resources, there's a tendency for our culture to then start bringing other people in that journey and kind of elevating everybody up as you start to elevate, which again, I think is so beautiful. And I don't know a lot of cultures who do that. Um, and we do it like with so much love and gratitude. I don't know, some resentment too, you know, of course, and I'm going to talk about that. Um, but that's, I think those are the big things when I think about our culture, about, about what's beautiful about it and what's really worth preserving and celebrating, you know, um, if I haven't emphasized this enough, the other thing is the, the humility, you know, if I haven't made that clear, the other value is humility and service that I think often gets, um, taken for granted 
by our family members, maybe even sometimes by our friends, and really by the larger community. Because Filipinos are one of the hardest, I mean, I really don't know anybody who's as hardworking as Filipinos. And, you know, I'm not trying to be like, that's just my lived experience. It's not like we're better than somebody, another culture, right? It, it's not that, that's not the spirit of what I'm trying to say. It's that when I think about work ethic and I compare it to other groups, I, I think Filipinos are on top, on the top two or top three, you know, um, that, that do it without duress, right? That do it naturally and are self-motivated. There's no kind of fear. Um, there's nobody telling them to work hard or to do that in a way. Um, and so I think we contribute a lot to society. We contribute a lot to the stability of our communities. A lot of us are helpers and healers and peace peacemakers. And I sometimes think, you know, we're invisible, right? We're invisible in these things. Um, we just quietly do it. We humbly do it. We don't expect a whole lot in return. We do it out of faith. We do it out of love. We do it out of our own kind of personal values. Um, and again, that's what I really admire and love about our culture. Now I, I want to move on and talk a little bit about some of the issues that our, our culture and our you know, traditions can present. I'm going to speak again from a lived experience and professionally as a therapist supporting Filipino Americans um, who, who, who are struggling with, you know, kind of living with the dissonance, living with the double standards, and frankly, just some of the trauma from some of the parenting. Um, every culture has that, you know, I want to start with that. Um, cause some of this stuff might be hard to hear. So I just want to acknowledge that. And I want to warn you that you might, you might feel uncomfortable, but I also, you know, want to say that every culture has their own stuff. Every culture has their own. I mean, unfortunately trauma is a universal experience. It just, it just differs in kind of degrees and, and types of trauma, you know, but there is some cultural trauma, I believe, that happens um, as part of our Filipino tradition. And I think a lot of it is unconscious. A lot of it is, you know, coming from a place of not having a whole lot of insight. Um, but you still have to recover from it, right? You still have to deal with it, even though you understand maybe that, you know, your parents are just doing what their parents taught them. You still have to, you have to kind of still process that. So the first thing that I see a lot in the therapy room is the, the, the difficulty drawing the line between honoring yourself and honoring your family, specifically your parents. So I'm just going to call it what it is. Most of the time, it's codependency. Okay. And it's not your fault. It's what happens because of the conditioning right? It's the natural outcome of the conditioning, of the parenting, of the messaging from our culture, right? Because too much of anything is unhealthy, okay? So yes, there's a lot of love and respect and loyalty and, you know, kindness, generosity. But imagine, you know, doing that all the time and living by those principles all the time. 
especially as a, as a young person trying to still navigate kind of your own identity, that can really start to create codependent behaviors. And then you, it gets compounded, that guilt, I call it the false guilt, because our culture creates a lot of fear and false guilt, right? Because again, of that messaging around kindness and love and humility and so forth. So it gets compounded, not only by our family members, but by our spirituality, by Christian values, by faith. We start to get it all twisted, you know, for lack of a better term. It starts to get really kind of normalized that this is just how, this is just what you're supposed to do until it starts piling up on you and it's just not working anymore. And it starts to show up kind of in your behaviors or your relationships or your, you know, addiction. And that's when usually people will start to come to therapy um, and start unpacking some of this stuff. And I have the delicate job of helping people unpack this, but, you know, we have to do it sensitively because again, there's a lot of guilt sometimes when we start really like, you know, being objective about it and putting people in their proper places and making them accountable, at least in the therapy room, for some of the things that, are, that have occurred. So it, it can be a very complex, nuanced process for us. But what I will say, it's, it's, I'm so, my heart is so full to see so many more Filipino Americans coming to therapy and, you know, realizing that there's a better way, that they don't have to live in this isolation and this, you know, silent suffering and be killed by guilt, essentially. That's the big thing I see a lot is the codependence, the guilt, and the, the difficulty really individuating because our culture is very communal, right? It's very familial. So individuating, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later, is kind of counterculture. It's literally counterculture. It's yeah. counterintuitive for us to, to give ourselves permission to also be our own person in this family system. You kind of get like our identities get all blurred and, you know, um, confusing. Like you don't know where you end and you don't know where you begin. So that's where the boundary issues start to happen, which, which is really, you know, at the heart of codependence, right? So individuation is basically, you know, to simply explain it, it's, 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 one's ability to be their own person while coexisting in the family system. It's having clear boundaries. It's having a solid identity. It's having a solid sense of your wants and needs and goals, right? Um, It's having the courage to go against the cultural expectation. So for example, a lot of times, right, we are usually encouraged and expected to be doctors, um, lawyers, uh, uh, engineers, accountants. I think those are like the top four, you know, and anything else outside of that starts to make our families a little nervous <laughs> because they're worried that what? That we're not going to make enough money because money is a central component, okay? Money is a central driver for our culture. Why? Because poverty is traumatic. And we are a very poor country. And most Filipinos came from nothing. We created our own wealth. We created our own stability, you know. And for those who are um, U.S. born, 
you're going to like, you're probably going to hear about that from your families, right? From, from the extended families. It's very rare that you're going to find a Filipino, Filipina, Philippine ex who straight up just come, came from wealth. It's, it's there. I mean, I was one of them. Like that was my dad's side. My dad's side was very wealthy. You know, my brother and my sister grew up with maids, drivers, all of that. Um, there's a town named after us, right? Like my grandfather was the governor of the town. Like we had that, but that's very, very rare. But I didn't experience that because by the time I was born, we were poor. So that's what I know. <laughs> my sister had both. My sister and my brother had both experiences. I was at the tail end of the privilege and wealth part, experienced a little bit of it. But most of my life, it was trying to make ends meet. I remember my parents like doing that, you know? And so that's why there's a huge driver around money because poverty is traumatic. And B, because, you know, think about the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you guys don't know what that is, just Google it. Just go hierarchy of needs. It's going to pop up. At the very bottom of that is basic survival, food, clothing, shelter, right? It's hard to dream and be on the other tiers of that uh, pyramid if you're so worried about just basic needs. And so I think a lot of the fears and the trauma of our ancestors gets passed on to the children, you know, even though maybe they're not poor anymore and they do have resources now, that's the unconscious part I'm talking about that it still gets passed on because they're not conscious enough to go, oh, we're not there anymore. We're okay now, you know? Now my kids can probably take more chances and more risks and probably could be more of who they really want to be if I stepped out of the way and didn't operate from fear. But that's not the reality. <laughs> and so that's what we try to work on in therapy is just helping people kind of understand like, okay, this is your parents' stuff. You don't have to own it. Let's look at like, if you weren't afraid, what would your choices really be like? What would you be doing? How would you be living? And just slowly helping with that individuation process, you know, which is set essentially good for everyone good for the community. You know, that's where when we are the version of ourselves that we want, when we are, I guess, yeah, aligned and alignment is the process. It's not just right. A switch you turn on when we are working towards that. It's better for everyone around us, even though it might be hard, even though it might be risky, right. For a family, because sometimes it, it can really like tear relationships apart. Um, most people will find that once they kind of have that light bulb on, it's hard to turn it off because their wise self knows that that's the way. Okay. So, you know, if you're struggling with that, think about going to therapy because a skilled therapist can really help you flush that out, navigate it in a way that's going to feel manageable for you to really start taking steps towards your own personal alignment. Um, and again, individuation can mean you are that you are already that version of yourself and you can still coexist with your family where they are at because part of individuation means you start to understand that it's not your job to fix to solve and to make everybody feel good about your choices but you can still be in relationship with them. It might change the relationship because you're different, but it doesn't mean that you have to like cut off ties. So these are things that we work through in therapy and I help people kind of figure out where the balance is and how to do that. Right. 
But a lot of times that's the fear. The fear is rejection and abandonment and uh, making people angry and disappointing parents. So that's one of the things that I see a lot is codependency, which then leads to false guilt, which then leads to a really hard time individuating. The other thing that is really common that I see is unfortunately, and this is mainly too for women, Filipino or Filipinas, Philippine ex, um, is poor self-esteem. I think if I were to bottom line it, that's that's really the bottom line is people really struggling with their, with their own sense of worth. And every culture has that, but ours is unique in that being a person of color, many of us struggle with taking up space, taking up room, um, giving ourselves permission to shine and I don't know, be great. The humility, right? There's a humility that's embedded in our culture. And there's kind of a concern around not being mayabang. So for those of you who don't know what that means, mayabang is Filipino term for being boastful or arrogant. And so part of the work, and who wants that? Nobody wants that, right? That's a great cultural value. Don't be boastful, don't be arrogant. But what happens is it starts to get confused with confidence, okay? Humility doesn't mean not having confidence or not showing up confidently. There's a difference between that and being boastful and arrogant. And so again, that's kind of how we start to flesh this out in therapy and just helping people understand like, okay, are you really showing up as arrogant and boastful? Let's examine that, you know, and just some education around what it means to be confident and what it means to kind of own your own power, you know? So it's kind of layered, but, and of course there's like, you know, not every story is the same, but that kind of undercurrent of I'm not good enough, or yes, I am starting to believe I'm good enough. And yes, I know that I have all these skills and knowledge, but I still don't want to take up space because I don't want to seem um, arrogant or boastful. So that starts to get in the way of you aligning with your true self, right? If you're constantly worried about what people are going to think. So I used to have that issue. And then throughout my own personal work, I just realized like, no, like people can think that like, I know who I am. I know that I'm not trying to do that. And I'm, I'm, I know my values, right? I know who I am. And so that's part of, of confidence is, is being clear about that and your identity and also being okay, you know, when that's challenged and looking, looking inside, looking within and learning from that, right? It's, it's, there's a self-trust that starts to happen when you start getting support for these things and when you start to get um, support for kind of the confusion and the, the, the heaviness that you're feeling. Um, so that's definitely a common issue. The other issue that I tend to see is people coming in with symptoms that they don't have a name for. So of course this happens to with other cultures, but it's, it's, there's like, um, there's a process that I see with, with Filipino Americans in that when you start to name things, especially with the Filipino born, um, folks, when you start to like give their symptoms a name, it starts to get a little, a little challenging. 
right? Not so much for the, the American-born Filipinos. Like if you say, oh, I think you might have PTSD or anxiety and depression, it's easily, much more easily digested. But with the, the um, older generation, it's, it's a lot more challenging because it's a different mentality. They're still kind of living in the stigma of mental health. They, they still have that understanding that mental health is for crazy people. And that if you have a diagnosis, right? Like, what does that mean? And why should I take meds? No way. Like it, it, it's all of that. And so at times it's really more challenging for me. I'm just going to speak from my own experience when I'm working with somebody from the older generation, because there's a lot more to undo. There's a lot more to unpack and it's more delicate um, than when I'm working with somebody who is U.S. born and have already, right, um, assimilated some of this information from the broader American culture. So that's the thing as well that starts to get, I'm moving into the next issue that I see is when, when you have parents who are Philippine born, and then you have a person who's U.S. born, but living in a Filipino family who still hasn't fully assimilated or, um, you know, I guess I'll just stick with that word, assimilated into the culture, you can really have a lot of challenges. And it's tough for both parties. It's tough for the Philippine born, you know, parent or parents, because they're trying to make sense of like all this independence and all this like, oh my God, what are you wearing? What are you listening to? What, you're not going to church? Like all those things, they're having to wrap their heads around. And then for the the American born, you know, child, it's like, what's wrong with you, mom or dad? I'm just, I'm just having a normal developmental experience. <laughs> and you're the one like making, making a big deal out of it. Right. But you start to internalize that along the way. And you start to feel, you know, the dissonance, you start to feel like, like what the, what's wrong with me. Right. It, it, it moves into what's wrong with my parents to what's wrong with me. Usually is the process I see because you, when you're young, you don't have sophistication to kind of completely make sense of all the mixed messages, you know? So that's the other thing that I often see in the room. Well, those are the broad stuff that I really wanted to touch on today. Um, I mean, of course, like I said, there's other, you know, nuances, right? Like a lot of Filipinos have a lot of traumas, which isn't unique to, to us because all cultures have that. But the, the cultural trauma, I think, is is unique to us in that there is always this kind of unspoken pressure to do well, to excel, to be successful. And there's very limited definition of that, right? To look a certain way, to have a certain kind of skin tone. If you're too dark, then, oh, you know, for some Filipinos, that's a problem, right? Um, so there's kind of some unconscious racism there. Uh, let's call it what it is, but it, it's not in the it's unconscious, basically, right? And that, and that you start to learn to kind of characterize people based on the color of their skin within the culture, within the culture, right? Because again, my psychological theory on that is it stems down to this, um, this sense of powerlessness, poverty, right? It puts a lot of our people, and really collectively, it, it puts us in different degrees of survival mode, okay? I want, you to, I want you to really kind of just think about that. Survival mode. Always thinking about 
you know, keeping up with the Joneses. That's a form of survival mode. Do I have enough? That's a form of survival mode. Are my kids, you know, going to excel and doing this and doing that? Are they going to have enough? Another form of survival mode, right? It's very fear driven. There's a lot of parenting that is driven by fear, usually unknowingly, unconsciously, instead of love and confidence. That's the other kind of, you know, big thing that I see in our culture. And then the color thing, the color categorization (laughs) that happens, it happened to me as a kid because I'm, you know, darker skin. Um, I got lighter as I grew up or got older, but I would remember like just feeling like, I don't know, I'm not as pretty. I'm less than the mestizas, right? Um, All these like, it's really nonsensical things when you really think about it, that you start to internalize. Um, But again, that's driven by their fear, right? Their fear that you're not going to be part of some kind of club, which means you're not going to be successful, which means you're going to end up whatever the story goes on and on and on and on. But it's all fear based. And so when we are afraid, we start to over control. And so there's a lot of parenting where Parents are unknowingly, maybe even sometimes knowingly, doing that to the children. And if you don't break that cycle, it just keeps going on and on and on and on. And the extreme kind of uh, result or consequence of that, of that type of unconsciousness, is abuse. You start to experience different forms of abuse from your parents, from your extended family, from the church, from the larger community i.e. the culture, right? That's what I mean by cultural trauma. The good news is there's help, there's support. A lot of this stuff can be undone. Yes, it's going to take time, commitment, resources, hard work sometimes to confront some of these things, but it's so worth it. It is so worth it, you know, to live a life of a little bit more freedom and clarity and true confidence, you know? And that doesn't mean you're like, once you do the work, oh my God, you know, just ride off into the sunset and never have to struggle with the cultural dilemmas again. No, I still struggle with that because the culture still keeps going, right? We still have family and siblings, you know, in the Philippines that we have to support. And so I have to make a mindful decision every time, you know, I have to like pause and think about my whys for doing this or for not doing this every time, but there's a consciousness to it. There's intentionality around it. There's an understanding of why you're saying yes and saying no, you know, which can then really help with the guilt and all this kind of spiraling that seems to, you know, happen to a lot of, to a lot of us, a lot of people in our culture, when we think we're not helping, right. When we think we're not doing enough. So that's, that's kind of the cycle that I see. And then that's the cycle that I really am passionate about helping people. And, you know, in this case, my people break and it's, it can be done. I'm not going to say it's easy, but there is a healthier, more sane alternative, you know, Um, because I've seen kind of the milder cases of this and the kind of really worst cases of this where people just feel so powerless and they feel like they don't have a choice in the matter because of this intense empathy and compassion and guilt 
So having to work through that, right? The last thing I want to say about this is a lot of times, you know, as much as we want success and stability, some of us also fear success and stability because ultimately we fear the burden of success. We fear the burden of responsibility because success usually means responsibility, meaning more success, more people to help, more success, more people to send money to, right? More success, more people to help educate. I mean, it goes on and on and on, you know, Anthony Bourdain um, in one of his uh, shows, he featured the Philippines. Um, Some of you may have seen it because his nanny was Filipina. You know, there's another beautiful thing about our culture, that that quiet kind of service that we do. Right. Most most Filipinos are nannies, maids, which kind of, you know, hurts my heart sometimes about like our lack of representation in the media and how poorly represented we are. Like, yeah, that's the best you can do. We're going to be maids. You know, like there's just we're still we're not where we are, but we're we're not where we want to be. Sorry, but. At least there's a little bit more, I think, um, interest in lifting, you know, the image and representation of people of color. But anyway, back to Anthony Bourdain. He was, um, he did a show on that. And he, what really struck me about it was all the Balik Bayan boxes. For those of you who don't know what that means, it's like Filipinos send boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff from the United States, you know, millions of dollars worth of stuff as we speak is being shipped and unpacked in the Philippines. And these boxes contain all sorts of things that you would never value as much in the United States, right? Spam, you know, stuff from, you know, dollar chinelas, which are like flip-flops, like all these like random canned foods that are so cherished in the Philippines and also so expensive, even though they're so unhealthy, right? But I mean, that's the culture. And where I'm going with this is this burden of success in that the more, sometimes the more we make, the more successful we become, the more expectation we feel and more responsibility we feel to help as many people as we can back home. And yes, I mean, we all have to make our choices around that. We all have to kind of, you know, navigate those waters culturally, collectively. And there's ways you can do that. That is a win-win where you still feel like you're helping people. You're, you know, being true to your values and also um, attending to your own needs. So that's what I want to say about all of this. I hope that um, this was informative and validating for many of you and also inspiring um, if you're thinking about getting support, like I hope this is the nudge or helps that helps you seek it out because there is a better, healthier way to coexist with our families whom we love, 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 love so dearly, right? It's kind of like, that's the funny, crazy part of our culture is that, um, <laughs> A lot of the people we really love also drive us up the wall, right? So there's a way to coexist with that in a way that feels a lot better for you, which in turn will feel a lot better for the people around you. So there you have it. Thank you for listening. This was a a longer one than usual. Um, And, you know, 
if you're in San Diego and or in California, because we can do telehealth and you you feel like you want to dive into some of this stuff, um, give us a call, 619-823-1382, or just go to our website, transcendtherapyca.com. Um, myself and our clinical director, Anna De La Paz, uh, we're both Filipino Americans and we, we serve a lot of people um, from our culture, Asian cultures, different Asian cultures, and of course, like all Americans. Um, I'm not, we're not like specializing in, in just one culture per se. Um, um, yeah, so we're here to help. Uh, if we can't help you, we'll, we'll try to see if we can direct you to other resources. But that's really it for now. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the support. Um, I'm glad that you're continuing to find the podcast helpful. The, the downloads are, you know, just keep, keep going. So I really appreciate that. Um, any feedback you have, any suggestions for topics, feel free to just, you know, go to the website, message me, um, and I'll do my best to, to uh, represent and, and cover those subjects. But in the meantime, be well, get mental, be gentle, because we all have issues. For now. Thanks for joining us today on Get Mental with Cecile Aarons. To learn more about Cecile, become a sponsor or guest on Get Mental, or if you have any questions about mental health, visit transcendtherapyca.com. That's transcendtherapyca.com. Join us next week at this same time for more talk on all things mental health on Get Mental with Cecile Aarons. No.